Hey everyone, welcome to episode 51 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It is the beginning of a new podcast year and apparently another Florida summer, judging by the temperatures and the overall lack of spring here in central Florida. So stay inside, turn down the AC in the car or the living room, or sit in front of the fan with your feet up. Put your earbuds in and spend the next 18 to 20 minutes with us and relax. And we are super happy that you are here. As always, last week, our episode was entitled, and I'm sure about it this time, Surrounded and Alone, which was Jeff, where we decided that listening is one of the hardest things to do when we're dealing with friends and family who deal with loneliness and depression. But it's the one thing that always gets a smile, a hug, or even a happy emoji by text message, because it equals caring and love. If you haven't listened to or watched that message, you can do both. In the Hospital Church mobile app, it makes it super easy. Or, of course, at the website, hospitalchurch.org. So, our roast, our roast, or maybe our most, <laughs> the mostest with the roast, the roastest with the mostest, I don't know. So, let's this most recent message, which was part three of our current series, Lonely, and it was entitled, A Sure Way to Stay Lonely. <laughs> so, as we were wrapping up last week's episode, and Andy kind of gave us a little sneak peek at this week's message title, I was thinking in my head that this message was either based on the best or worst-selling self-help book in history, <laughs> and it turns out it was the former, and that book is, of course, the Bible. So, there is a way... And it's, and it's sure, and you'll be lonely. Do tell us more about this fantastic offer, Andy, that we can stay lonely. It's a sure thing. A sure thing. There is a guaranteed way you can stay lonely. <laughs> well, and, and I, I got the original idea uh, from – it was in my head. I had, I had to go back and look it up in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together, where he says no man is more lonely than he's alone with his sin. Okay. And so the, if we hold on to sin and keep it to ourselves – it drives us away from others. It drives us away from God. It creates a deep sense of loneliness, and we can stay lonely forever if we just hold on to our sin. If we'd like to, it's just that. It's just that. It's just that easy. It's just that easy. Well, and I, I, I was excited to hear the story of David and Bathsheba was going to kind of outline this from a <laughs> biblical perspective. This was actually the topic of the first sermon I was ever actually uh, asked to preach. Well, this was like back, I think it was two thousand and ten. And this story probably, after preaching that sermon, has stuck with me more so than many of the other stories in the Bible. And the realization to me of who all the players were in that story, mm-hmm. and that nearly everyone involved was in David's inner circle, you know, of, of people, the, the David's 30 and all these kinds of things. And it was the, the lengths that he went to to really try to cover this up against the people who, again, were some of his trusted advisors yeah. and this whole close-knit group. <laughs> and it's like, wow. I mean, at what length, at even the man after God's own heart would go to to do this, man, what are we left with? <laughs> that, you know, what what will we go to? I mean, a daytime soap opera couldn't write a better script than, what, than how this actually came out to be. And it's always, to me, it kind of confirmed that we've always been reminded by our parents and the Bible's warning of Numbers thirty-two twenty-three, and be sure your sin will find you out. Right. I seem to remember the word sins with an S, <laughs> but maybe that was more of a conscious of my conscious speaking than actual <laughs> literal words. But anyway, what is it about us, though, when we look at this story and as humans or is it our sinful, just, just our humanity that we're so susceptible to temptations when we're at our ideal or at our best? I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting when you tied that together with, yeah. you know, where David was in his journey – you know, seemingly on a pretty good high, and then all of a sudden it, it just seems to go against common sense. Why not when we're at our lowest, when we're in that yeah. wilderness, like we're all we're beat down? Why not then? 
I think when we're, when we're beat down, and Jeff might be able to, as a professional counselor guy, <laughs> he'll speak to this really well. But I think when we're beat down, we're we're, we're more humble. Uh, we're we recognize our needs. Uh, that makes we, sense. We're not adequate. We're in trouble of some kind. Whereas when we when we've won the day and we just well, it's, it's like it's like there's one of my favorite books is the Art of Possibility, and they're in South America. This youth symphony's been just played this great concert, outshined anything anybody expected, and a bunch of the kids get in trouble that night. And and he the next day when they're trying to deal with all this, he says, "If you'd done a really bad job last night, everyone would have gone back to your rooms and gone to bed and been you know heart sick that you'd done so badly. Hmm. It, it was in the if euphoria of having done such a great job that you went out and acted crazy. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah, I was as I was listening to the, this this talk, I I you know you can't help but think of the other side of this, and that is. Um, there's a lot of people who in their sin or in their guilt of what they've done or, or whatever, uh, they to not go and confess is to go and try to find somebody else that has done the same thing or at least that you mm. could res- that could resemble what you've done. You try to find some kind of solace in that. And in a sense, if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve, there's this idea of Adam and Eve both hiding. They're both, you know, they're both in the same same shape, basically, and um, and you think, well, okay, there you go. So if we have the same, you know, we can find camaraderie sheer in that path- sheer, sheer pathology. But if you follow, <laughs> yeah, if you follow that to its extent, and the and the story of the, the that story in in, uh, in Genesis kind of unfolds that because all of a sudden when it comes right down to it, you know, here's Adam throwing Eve under the bus. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and that's what happens is I think when we try to when we try to find camaraderie in our guilt yeah. and we live in that, there is also that also danger. Eventually, you become more and more selfish within that as well. So there really is not honor among thieves? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> they're, they'll, they're probably willing to quickly throw each other under the bus uh, for the sake of the gold or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd never heard the correlation um, that you brought out between the time that this sin – or while this sin had remained uncovered in his writing of Psalms 32. Mm-hmm. And we're, I mean, he's basically in a living hell feeling this. My bones are wasting away. <laughs> right. Yeah. The feeling, yeah. the weight of all of this that he'd done. And looking at that situation, maybe we're tempted to say, well, why didn't he just ask for forgiveness and just get it over with? But yet we get, when we gut check that and go, oh yeah, who wants to admit God that you're a womanizing, adultering, murdering liar? And I mean, <laughs> Other than that, I'm okay, God. <laughs> other than that, I'm okay, yeah. <laughs> But why, why do we why do we try to prolong it? Because we've all been there. We all know it's not going to make it any better, right? Well, that's that's interesting. You say we've all been there because I, I we didn't get into any personal stories right. <laughs> to confess at the service. But but the reality is that all of us can go back to even a childhood memory when sure. we knew we had done wrong, and the reaction of having done wrong was not to go in immediately and confess. That may eventually happen, <laughs> yeah. but our, but our no. reaction is to run off and hide. Is mm-hmm. our, our, our hide under the sheets, under the bed, hide you know, hide somewhere, go out and run away from home, uh, whatever whatever the childish thing would be to do to avoid eye contact with a parent who you believe can read your soul almost, and so yeah. you you just don't, you don't want to get near that because you might have to confess. Because we don't assume that God doesn't know, right? I mean, that's not in our thinking that like well maybe maybe God doesn't yeah. maybe God doesn't know what I do in the privacy of you know by, when I'm in my alone time yeah. or I'm here I'm there no one else sees and I mean 
Pretty pretty sure he's in on it. He's pretty sure. Yeah, yeah he's in on it. It's not like we can. It's not like we can get away. And we've all been found out in some kind of sin in our life. You know, of course, while trying to hide it. And when it seems like when we finally fess up, the weight is lifted. The relief, you know, in your mind, physically, it feels so good. And yet, waiting just continues to be that default. And you'd mentioned the word masochist in the message, and it seems like it fits here because particularly when we miss our chance to confess and instead we're confronted and we're called out, and oftentimes like in this story, I mean it's done very publicly, and it's – to me, the shame on the other side almost seems worse than if he had just said, wow, that was a really, really bad decision, and – you know, who knows how the story yeah. works well, out if Uriah finds out or they come clean with it, but it can't be any worse than, yeah. than that, can it? You, well, you think about pop news today. I mean, oh, it, how many politicians, actors, actors, sports heroes, yani, 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 business leaders, if they just said, I messed up, yeah, how fast that would be old news. Uh, it would just It would just drop off the horizon almost instantaneously. Because now there's no scandal to report because the person who's supposed to be scandalized has just scandalized themselves by saying, I did it. But yeah. isn't, but isn't the, the whole problem with sin is that we ne- we very, we're almost blind to it for the most part? In other words, isn't that sort, sort of what David was dealing with here? Is he truly – I mean he was just going about – I mean literally killing – ready to kill a, a husband – for the sake of something that all you know in the very beginning wasn't he just going ahead with these kind of things and just blind to it? I mean, isn't that part of what we're up against most of the time? Is that we are blind to it? There is a that's why Nathan comes along. There is a delusional, a delusional yeah. side to it for sure. Yeah, and poor Nathan, right? I mean, who wants to be that guy? And I'm thinking to myself, the first thing that popped into my head was like. You know, if it was modern day, like, I'm totally sending this guy a text message. I, I'm not, I, am not, I am not going to the door to check and see if afterwards I'm going to have a head left to actually leave with um, to go out and, and deliver this news. But doesn't that just pour more gasoline on the fire for, you know, for David? I mean, he could have gone even further the other way and just said and, and just rejected even further. What was it about the confrontation with Nathan that, I mean, did he really then feel like, wow, I really feel remorse? Because at first he didn't have, with the whole story of the, you know, the lamb and, oh, yeah, that guy, he was totally in the wrong. <laughs> what about it? I mean, is it that, was it the story that finally made that well, revelation? Was, well, then I think it was clarity that this is a message that's coming from the Lord. Nathan comes and says, this is a story from the Lord for you, David. And so all of a sudden, once, he's, once he, is, he is identified as the man in the story, right. I, I think that David finally is like, as opposed to my bones wasting away and I've been miserable for a year or a year and a half, <laughs> yeah, he, he finally is like, okay, just, yeah, it's me. I did it. I'm sorry. I confess. I, I'm, I, I was, it's all, you're all accurate about me. And then Nathan's immediate response in the story in Second Samuel is, "The Lord has forgiven you." Yeah. You know, and the whole idea of the whole idea that uh, confrontation over sin, or pointing out sin, or disciplining about sin, is only to be redemptive in the scriptures. It's it, the whole the whole Nathan doesn't come with a story to David so he can beat David up and trample him down and make life worse for David. He's coming with a story that's very uh, pointed toward David with the intent of hoping for David's repentance, confession, and restoration. And and it happens, kaboom. I mean, it's it's right there. And there's consequences of the sin. I mean, there's there's bad things happen. 
in David's family, his his influences changed. I mean, it's all kind of horrible consequences. But David owned it, and as soon as he owned it, forgiveness was immediate. Yeah. Well, I mean, we like to rate sins, but can we rate repentance? I mean, is it because he waited so long then you finally are <laughs> confronted by the by God where by you know, through Nathan and then go, Wow, this is much Maybe this is much worse than I actually thought because, eh, you know, when it's just me, yeah, the weight was out there. I was miserable. I was lonely. But, whoa, God actually sent someone personally yeah. to my door to tell me I'm a punk. Yeah. And now, I mean— it, it, Scripture seems to tell us that the repentance is the gift of God just as much as faith is. Okay. So often as we think about we repent, and it's, it's, <laughs> repentance, well, is, yeah. repentance is really a gift from God as well to—, to Tweak our hearts to even be able to say, "Yeah, I am sorry." Yeah, a- yeah, I always, I always wondered about that. What if? Why didn't Nathan come earlier? <laughs> you know, why didn't Nathan yeah. come when he was looking out his window? You know, by the way, that sheep that you're looking at—that's uh, that's actually belongs to somebody else. Yeah. You know, I, those are the kind of things that we can't question in the story because they're 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 there. But I do think that that a lot of times, and I think this is where the story really shines, is that our I don't think Nathan was after David to admit guilt as much as he was after David to say, I'm going to be convicted now of, in other words, there's a difference between feeling guilty and being convicted of your sin. Mm -hmm. Because just to feel guilt, I think... He felt guilt for a year and a half. He's already felt that. Wasting away with Exactly. That's part of that. As opposed to the conviction that finally goes, oh, you know what? That's me. Mm -hmm. And I need to stop. I need to end... Where it's well, been going. and our tempt, I think one of our temptations is the imagination that that sin comes from outside of us somewhere, mm-hmm. and and I think it's really important. And I touched on it a little bit in the sermon that James says, no, it's 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 from the it's from within. It's from the evil <laughs> desires you've already got. You don't have to. Nobody has to you get out there. To, and, you don't have to be tempted. Well, yeah. No one's got to search too far to right, actually yeah. go far. And I, well, and when I thought about the when you look at the way David in it, in any sin that you're trying to cover up. The lack of transparency that we, you know, we put our walls up, we use any kind of, any different number of facades, whether that's social media or the smile on our face when we come to church or when we just meet somebody that we know. And the question is, oh, how are you today? Right. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. And and really, the the true answer is, I'm fine in Jesus, but I'm humanly depraved. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A little bit wordy, but, you know, probably, but but accurate. (laughs) I really really do believe that, that so much of the, of dis-ease and unhealth in our psychological world, at least, or our spiritual Which world. Which leaves us stuck yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Is, is the imagination that we're okay, that, yeah. that I'm, no, is everybody else has got problems, but I'm okay. I'm okay. And, and, or at least like my sins, um, <laughs> as opposed to saying, well, no, we I'm compare. messed up. We yeah. try to compare to make yeah. ours look better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, the word confess, e. I mean that just makes it, I mean that makes me feel uneasy saying it sitting here with the two of you, and yet you know when oh my goodness you know and when so let's hear confession yeah let's Andy. hear confession this might make a really interesting podcast well, <laughs> next week three minutes and thirty seconds you don't have time to even scratch the surface of Randy's problems and sins well and I think that's I think that's really part of the part of the challenge of the message is for us to to be willing. I grew up saying in my night prayers as a kid, you know, forgive us for all our sins and mistakes. Yeah. Just for what to cover them all. Well, that's it. Know. Make sure we don't miss but, anything. But there, is, but there is merit. There is merit in specificity. And so for, for me to say, today I was jealous about this. 
Yeah. Today I was prideful about this. God forgive me for that. You know, that that begins to create um, space for growth spiritually. Whereas, Whereas... Forgive me for all my sins and mistakes is a pretty broad well, sweep. Psychologically, it unlocks other things mm-hmm. that we probably weren't paying attention to right. because sure. it's becoming mindful of certain things that need to be brought to the front forefront. And when you do those things, other things follow. And probably the more deeply seated ones will, mm. will would yeah. and I you know, I think that's with all of us. I think we need to realize that um, instead of comparing, yeah. which usually tends to minimize what, <laughs> yeah, what's going of on. Course. We can be mindful of ourselves. Because if, we, if, own we're, it. if we're specific, then there's some ownership in there, right? right. I mean, that, yeah. that's actually putting some like, oh yeah, yeah, that was me. And I, I think that part of that goes to, you know, when we're trying to show people, even corporately each week, that, you know, maybe maybe there's a way to be more intentional about just not doing the easy walk by, oh, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. But I mean, we're also not talking about just airing dirty laundry for the sake of just you know. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna, I'm I'm just gonna barf. I'm glad you said that, Randy. Unload. This is really important because when I talk about specificity, um, it may not be wise uh, in our Christian journey or in our spiritual journey to name the speci- the specific sin to another person. It may not be in our best interest or their best interest to have to hear that. <laughs> right. But to say. I have sinned specifically. Uh, yeah. We know what that sin is, and we're admitting that we're a sinner. And that may be sufficient knowledge about that sin to be shared, because right. that person may not need to know the, the gruesome details. But it, there is a specificity still. It's it's not just any sin. It's that sin. And if you're specific, they can pray for that specific and say, listen, you, if you, you know, I'd appreciate your prayers on something that's going on in my life right yeah, now. Right. Right. And without actually identifying it. I, and I'm now worrying out of time, but also there is there is a side to this that needs accountability. Right. We, we all need accountability. So yeah. you may say, I'm working with another person that knows about this and is working with me. Right. For somebody yeah. I can really Especially trust. if it's a, a yeah. situation, because there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Because if you're going to get that specific about yeah. something that could be, you know, not something everyone should know about, then if you do have someone that you can find accountability with and then ask others to pray for you and that person maybe yeah. as you meet. And, and that's a huge journey to find that person you can trust. That is with a that huge. specificity yeah. and yeah. that clarity and that blatancy. Yeah. But there's not a reason to not also, when you're in that journey, just give up and say, well, there's nothing I, I you know, I, I did the <laughs> forgive me for all my sins, all right. and then we're just going to not look for that. So <laughs> we're not encouraging you not to look a little bit deeper, but also, you know, there's a there's a little common sense. And as always, biblically, there's some balance to what we need to to do this. And so we're already out of time. We should do a sidebar on this one for another time. We should. And, and do a, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> this is something that we always, we're always going to run into. And finally, one of our FHC takeaways this week was, how does it feel to belong to a church where there is clarity that we are all sinners and no one is good? And personally, when I think about that, it's one of the things that attracted us to the Florida Hospital Church, Mm -hmm. because even the little bit that we knew, and you know, we knew some people here, and we knew we'd been here a couple times, but from the outside, that to me came through that... People here know that we're just all on the same journey. We're just, we may be in different spots, but there's an acceptance that we're here 
And, you know, as a person who's away from church for many, many years, not ju- not just church, but away from God, and on purpose, with glee in that endeavor, there's no place so world so lonely in this world than belonging to a church of the pious, the cold and the dead. It's really, it's really true. And I love it here because, you know, I've struggled with every sin imaginable nearly, and yet I'm home here, and I'm welcomed as a family at the hospital church. And how does that make you feel? I mean, how does that make you feel to be a part of it? Would love to hear what you may have to share if you are a member here, or maybe... Uh, maybe you have a great church where you are, where you're listening from. Would love to hear that too. So, final thoughts, and I know we're way over time, but you'll have to just uh, bear with us at this point. David and Bathsheba and their lineage felt the ramifications of this sin, the cover up, and the loneliness. But most importantly, they witnessed the undeserved forgiveness and the redemption of God in action. Things are really no different today. The sins are the same. The lies and the cover-ups simply have taken on different names for today's vernacular. But the good news is that God has also remained the same and is at the ready to forgive, redeem, and relieve the loneliness of sin. Take a chance. Lighten the load. Build trust. Talk to God. Talk to a friend. Find an accountability partner. Grab coffee or a bite to eat with someone from church and just say, hey, I could use some prayers and live free. So, uh, if you haven't downloaded our church app, please do that as well because you can catch everything you need from there. And this week upcoming, what's... Living, living on purpose, one of our twelve. Uh, oh, from the heart, from the heart. And oh, one final thing: next week you don't want to miss because we're going to put on our best makeup and do our hair just right <laughs> and wear our best clothes. And uh, we're going to be on Facebook Live next week, so you can watch the podcast in real time, and then of course always catch it in iTunes as normal. So until next Wednesday in episode 52, it's Randy for Andy, Jeff, and thank you Chad Hess for running the board for us this week, saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.